This is the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your virtual design guide to help you and your family have a healthy, beautiful landscape with less work. What's up and welcome to episode six of the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. I'm glad to have you here today. We're going to be talking about some fun stuff, of course, as usual. And uh, I hope you're having a beautiful day. <laughs> right now, it's kind of a cloudy day. It's kind of cold still. But um, I tell you what, I can't wait till spring. I don't know if you feel the same way if you're listening to this soon after this comes out. But right now, it's still winter. Uh, it's time time of year when I get a little bummed or whatever with the cold weather. But but man, I just love being outdoors and uh, having a beautiful yard. So uh, I hope you do too. Uh, our yard could could stand a lot of of positive movement towards becoming a beautiful yard. And uh, I really hope to take you along the journey of transforming our yard. And I hope you can do the same with your place as uh, you look toward having a beautiful landscape that hopefully doesn't own your life with how much work you have to do. But yeah, right now it's a little chilly, a little windy, kind of a cloudy day, but um you know, I'm trying to live out what I tell my little boys every time we wake up in the morning. Uh, we come down the stairs and uh, have them look out the window uh, at the sunrise and and we say, good morning, world. Looks like a beautiful day. And you know what? Today is a beautiful day, uh, regardless of the weather. It's always nice just to see you know, the, the wind blowing through the trees and uh, kind of rustling the grass and stuff. So I hope you're having a great day and uh, let's get right into it today. So today we're going to be talking about what to do before starting a project. This is the perfect time to be thinking about this because as we get into these warmer months, you know, the spring growth takes off like crazy. You know, everything's going bonkers. You're getting tons of growth. Uh, the plants you love, also the plants you don't like, the weeds and stuff uh, start going crazy too. Uh, you're out there cutting the grass as it's growing like crazy uh, in the, the wet, warm season. So before we get into that crazy mode, uh, this is the best time of year. The winter is in the late fall and early, you know, right before spring are the best times to be planning your next year in the landscape, planning for what you're going to do, how you're going to maintain it, and what projects you want to do, maybe the the big picture vision stuff, and actually getting plans onto paper really makes a huge difference. So I hope you're considering what changes you might be making to your yard this year, and hopefully changes for the better to free up time in your life while increasing the beauty of your landscape. So that's what we're talking about today. What you can do with your landscape before you even start your projects. So how to properly plan it, how to uh, think about everything, make sure you check all the boxes of what you need to do so you don't make some big mistake later on. Sometimes we get so excited to get out there and get started, put the shovel in the ground, start planting plants, or go to the nursery and just start you know, buying some pretty looking plants. And that's definitely a very fun part, but without the proper planning in place, you can make some really big mistakes, some really costly mistakes in both time and money. If you're getting the wrong plant, planting at the wrong time in the wrong place or or whatever. So that's what we're talking about today is how to do things properly. Start off on the right foot before you're even at the nursery, before you're even putting the shovel in the ground um, or stepping out into your yard and, and uh, putting your gloves on. I guess, you know, one other thing I'm thinking about here is is it the same goes for, uh, you know, before you even going to hire a designer or, um, you know, a maintenance crew um, to, to kind of put something in quick or, you know, a designer that that is going to plan the process for you as well. Before you're even thinking about hiring a designer, you need to think about what you want out of your landscape and make sure you communicate that clearly to the designer you're working with because they have their own vision, but they don't. If you're not clear with them on what you want out of your landscape, whether it's a low maintenance, beautiful landscape, or a specific type of uh, function out of your landscape or design, they're not going to know that. They're going to design what they think you want, which might be the totally wrong thing. So this podcast, if if you're planning on hiring this out, this is a very important one to listen to too, because 
It'll help you understand what you want out of your landscape, as well as what to properly communicate to the designer. And for the parts that you're hiring out, also understanding the process that they're going through so you can better understand what you need to talk about. All right. Hopefully that's clearer than high organic matter, fertile soil. And let's get right into it then. We're going to be talking about a few things here. Uh, I'm going to kind of put it in sequentially in order of kind of how you should think of things. But if you do this a little bit out of order, as long as you're not actually going to take action until you do some of this stuff, uh, that's okay. It's really good to have a big uh, overall comprehensive picture. So um, in general, yeah, this kind of should be done in order, but not necessarily has to be done that way. So first, let's talk about design principles. I'm not going to really talk a whole lot about this today because we've really drilled down on this in the past couple episodes. So I just want to highlight uh, those episodes. If you haven't listened to uh, specifically episodes two, three, four, and five, those are really good comprehensive episodes to listen to in listen to in order to design your landscape properly to be a beautiful landscape but also a low maintenance landscape at the same time a lot of times people especially with the beauty part they'll get the beauty part but not the low maintenance part or more rarely uh, sometimes people have a nice low maintenance landscape, but it's, it's not always the most beautiful. So what we're talking about is, is merging these two concepts together to have a beautiful landscape that doesn't take so much work for you. And that's what I really want you to get today. So episodes two and three go through defining a lot of the elements, the basics of what makes a low maintenance landscape design. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, I really recommend you go back and listen to them to get all the bits and, um, the good elements of that show uh, to really understand what elements we should be talking about when we're planning our own landscape or hiring a designer as well. Episode four talks about how to save time in your landscape. And the first half of that podcast episode talks about uh, the design itself. So I really recommend you go back and listen to that as well. It kind of builds on the whole low maintenance landscape episodes, but specifically about the the time piece and, and how precious time is and how that kind of plays out in your landscape design as well as maintenance routine. So, so check out episode four as well. And episode five talks more about the design piece, uh, the basics of design from an aesthetic perspective. So that's where we get into the beautiful part. So understanding what makes a good, beautiful landscape design is really a good foundation for your design work. And secondarily, then thinking about the low maintenance piece. So, So the design itself gives you the composition of your landscape, if you will, how to how to make it look properly um, to where it's a pleasing landscape and a happy place, <laughs> something that's welcoming to you and your guests that come into your yard. So having a good, beautiful design is actually really important to how people perceive your landscape and your home as well, and how you experience it and other people experience it. So so that good design mindset coming into the whole process is really important to think about the whole uh, big picture of your landscape. So make sure you check back at episodes two, three, four, and five, because those episodes are really important to this whole um, having the right design principles before you go in to plan your, your project. And even if it's a small project, if you're just working on a little garden space, maybe it's like a, a front yard garden right next to your front door, this still matters to think about the big picture first. How it all fits together is really, really important, even if it's a small piece, because if you have a small piece that doesn't fit in with the rest of your landscape or your long-term plans for your landscape, it's going to look really out of place. So um, I strongly encourage you to think about that as you're moving forward. And just, again, to really drill this home, you want to think big picture. So what are your goals for your landscape? What is your whole landscape? So when I'm talking about big picture, I'm actually talking about kind of some of the dreamy stuff. Like, what do you want? What's your ideal situation? And then once we start kind of getting those, teasing those elements out of how you want your space to feel and how you want to be in your space, um, how you want other people to feel when they come to your landscape, how do you want to experience it? When you understand those bits you can kind of really start to drill down, okay, here's what I want to experience this type of feeling or this type of um, uh, experience. Uh, So 
That's what I mean by thinking big picture, but also I mean thinking big picture physically. So think about your whole landscape. How does your project, whether it's one small garden or your whole landscape, how does it all fit together? And that's really important when you're thinking about your design. And also, how does your landscape design fit into the bigger picture of your community or your area? Does it, is it going to look really out of place? Do you want it to look really out of place? Um, how does it fit into the the general feel of other landscapes in your area? And do you want it to be kind of similar or strikingly different? Those are things you want to constantly figure out right now before you go in and actually start uh, putting in a garden or a, a project. Okay. The last point I want to make here with the design stuff is it's better to plan first than to plant first. And what I mean by this is it's really easy to correct planning mistakes as you're going through the thought process of your design. And I really strongly encourage you to put stuff on paper as well when you're doing this, writing down your goals, um, going through actually drawing out a plan of what you want to do uh, physically. Even if you're not an artist, uh, it's it's something you can do, Planting, uh, planning <laughs> out general areas of where you're going to put things, how it's going to look, and getting a, just a few very rough sketches together makes a huge difference at picking out uh, potential mistakes and uh, understanding if you're really going to like what something looks like. So it's easier to correct planning mistakes. It's difficult to correct planting mistakes. So I want to make that really clear. You know, a plant's not actually a really a mobile piece once you plant it and it becomes established you're really disrupting that plant if you have to move it it's a lot of work on your part it's a lot of work on your plants part as well so make sure you plan properly to avoid uh, costly mistakes in time and plant health and in money as well uh, further down the road by making a mistake that you didn't want to make okay so let's get into some planning tips, some things that you really need to think about before you actually go and start your project. Um, a lot of these things are, are really, really important. So if you're going to get anything out of this episode, uh, well, I, I don't know. Personally, I think this whole episode is really important, right? The design is important. These planning bits are really important too. So if you miss one of these, you might actually have to rip out your landscape or something. That's why I'm saying this section is very important as well. Um, I don't want you to have to, you know, go and start a project and then realize for whatever reason you have to tear it up or, or change it or whatever. That would be, you know, a huge waste of time and, and just not a fun experience. And it's definitely happened before for a lot of people. So um, that's why I'm, I'm really trying to make this clear. So let's get into it. So first, I want you to look into finding the right type of year for planting. And if you're planting a garden with multiple species, there might be multiple stages to this. You know, it might not be ideal to plant everything all at once. So make sure, based on the plants you're putting into your project, that you have the right time of year. And this even goes for your lawn. There's definitely ideal times to plant your lawn. Um, I'm, I'm being very general here because this is this greatly varies based on what plant you're considering and what area you live in as well. Um, you know, if you're talking about something in Southern Florida, it's going to be drastically different than uh, a design you're putting in in Northern Wisconsin. And same goes for, you know, Western California, you know, if you're on the coast or not. So all these things, or, you know, <laughs> think about uh, something in Denver, you would, you would expect it to be quite a bit different than something uh, on coastal California, right? So, Make sure, based on what plants you're selecting and the region you live in, um, what the best time of planting for that plant is, and and uh, do so accordingly, because that can really change um, how successful your landscape is, how much uh, death you have with the plants you establish. It's a good rule of thumb to always um, plan for some some death of plants you're transplanting or sowing from seed as well. It's pretty much inevitable that. Um, you know, you're disrupting the, how the plant naturally grows. So it's it's kind of a good expectation to have that not everything is going to be 100% successful. You might have to readdress some of your uh, establishment 
after a, you know a few months or a few years. So uh, just something to keep in mind there as a bit of an aside. But yeah, so finding the right time of year for planting is really important. There is a really good resource uh, for this, at least with native plants. Um, and some exotics is uh, plants.usda.gov. Um, this shows you the, the growing range for most plants, so you can see if it's kind of a natural space for it or not. Um, in addition, a lot of them have little tip sheets. It's not the easiest website to navigate, but um, you can find little tip sheets on growing stuff there. And um, the other uh, suggestion I would have is to go to the Missouri Bot Botanical Garden website. I'll try and put it in the show notes, but also just Google Missouri Botanical Garden. They have a ton of plants, at least for, you know, the the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. that can grow in most conditions. And uh, it's a really good resource for a lot of plants that you find in your garden. And they also list a lot of tips there as well. So check both of those resources out. I'll try and remember to put these in the show notes for you. And um, yeah, I recommend those. When you're thinking about your plants, uh, make sure you plan for growth. You know, plants are a living material, right? naturally speaking, they're meant to propagate, to grow as tall as they can, as quick as they can, um, and as, as robust as they can, so they can carry on their species and reproduce and, and continue growing as long as possible. That's basically how plants are designed. Of course, yeah, different plants are designed with different life cycles and different growth heights. They fit different habitat niches in the natural world. But Altogether, that's the goal of every, you know, every species you're putting into your garden is to propagate itself and to carry on itself. So it's really important when you're, you're designing a garden that you take this into consideration, especially with a low-maintenance landscape, because you don't want to be constantly hacking away at plants as they're spreading or growing taller or whatever just because it was you know, a pretty-looking plant, but it doesn't really fit the mold that you're trying to put it in. So, so make sure you plan for growth. And, and there's a couple elements here that you really need to consider. So first is the spreading habit. So this, by what I mean by this is how does it, the plant naturally propagate? Does it propagate by seed? Does it propagate by runners or both? Running, running or suckering or, or whatever, the, basically vegetatively through its root growth or, or low stems coming through the ground. Um, there's, those are the two most basic habits uh, for propagation for plants. And so think about like a, some extreme examples here. So some uh, plants propagate by seed, right? There's uh, this <laughs> a popular landscape plant is uh, the uh, pear tree, a Bradford pear, for example, is a common landscape tree that propagates by seed. Now, this plant, unfortunately, has become very, very dispersive where it'll grow uh, all over the place in the eastern U.S. because uh, birds eat the seeds, and then uh, when they drop their droppings, uh, they drop the seeds as well, and they'll, they'll start growing in these new areas, especially in lawns and untouched grassland-type naturalistic areas. And they become kind of a nuisance. So you want to really consider that. Um, we have them popping up in our lawn, actually, these these uh, pear trees. So if we weren't mowing our lawn, you know, on a semi-frequent basis, uh, these trees would be become a real problem. And actually, our, our little no-mow lawn patch where we have our uh, variety of grass that we only cut about twice a year, uh, I have to go through the... and. and about once a year, pull up these little tiny uh, seedlings that come up of these little pear trees. So uh, that's an example of the seed dispersal. A, a good example of the root um, dispersal is is bamboo, right? Bamboo is a popular um, kind of border type planting that provides a really good screen, makes a beautiful sound when the wind blows through it. And in the right location and the right design, it's a great plant. But you also have to plan for its dispersal pattern. So it grows really aggressively by root growth and, and root suckering. So it sends out these long runners and that'll shoot up and grow into new stalks. And that's how the clump of bamboo spreads. And so if you don't plan for it properly or establish it properly with the right type of barriers, this be can become a real problem. So um, I strongly do encourage you to uh, plan for that spreading habit. Also plan for root growth. So I'm not talking about the spreading here, but the the, the way the plant grows, and this is specifically true for trees. Um, 
so often you see trees where uh, they're planted really close to a foundation or really close to a sidewalk or a driveway, and they become a huge problem because they'll push, they'll, they're actually strong enough, the roots are strong enough to push up huge pieces of concrete or, uh, you know, footpath uh, uh, stones, and and they turn what is a beautiful, you know, hardscape element into something that's kind of a nuisance or even a hazard. And, uh, you know, it's a costly error by doing that. So making sure you understand how your tree's roots grow or even shrubs, uh, how their root patterns grow can greatly um, influence the long-term maintenance and the long-term plan or problems that you may um, encounter. Likewise, uh, with your foundation, the, the roots can actually cause either settling or disruption of your foundation. So by sucking up so much water on a certain part of your foundation, it can cause settling. Or the roots can actually penetrate through some of your foundation. So again, make sure the roots aren't going to cause problems with uh, some pretty serious things. And likewise, your utilities um, that you have around the access points to your house, uh, make sure you know where those are and and whether or not the roots are going to disrupt those. Um, when you're thinking about top growth, again, this is especially for trees or even shrubs. Or um, sometimes, you know, if you're thinking about uh, climbing plants, uh, how far are these uh, climbing plants going to grow? Are they going to grow onto your house and cause problems? Uh, but with trees and shrubs, um, are they going to hit the eaves of your house, which can cause a lot of issues um, or whatever um, structure you might have around a shed or whatever. Make sure you're not planting too close to these structures where the, the branch growth is going to either cause a long-term maintenance um, thing where you have to continue trimming it and pruning it or um, going to cause structural jam- damage. Same with uh, power lines and um, other trees that it grows near. So um, you see... Uh, the power lines uh, have the you know the power company has to come by and, and prune trees and obviously often they uh, they look pretty unsightly once they have to be pruned like that so um, something to just keep in mind. Uh, I was uh, it just reminds me I was driving down the street just the other day and and saw these trees that were just recently planted that must have been planted you know earlier this uh, fall and so it looks like there may be you know, a, a, a two-year-old tree or three-year-old tree, so a pretty th- small trunk, uh, just to be on sapling age right now. And they were planted right underneath the power lines of this yard, where if they were set back just another 10, 15 feet, they wouldn't have been a problem at all. But because they're, they're put, they were put right next to the edge of their property, right underneath the power lines, they're going to be this huge maintenance nightmare. And the, the trees will probably end up just needing to be removed because they're going to be so unsightly in about about 10 years. So uh, really make sure you, you consider that. It's a really common mistake. Okay, so enough about the planning for growth piece. Uh, the other things I want you to consider are make sure you check your local codes. So this is your HOA codes if you live in an HOA. Um, if you're not familiar with an HOA, you probably don't live in one, so don't worry about it. Um, your zoning codes as well. So this could be uh, your city or your township or uh, town if you live in a, a municipality type area. If you live in an unrestricted area um, or an unincorporated incorporated area, um, you might not have to deal with uh, you know, the local level of, of codes, but just make sure you try and check uh, because if you happen to fall under some jurisdiction and you've you've installed something, you might have to pay some pretty steep fines or even remove uh, something. So just make sure you keep that in mind. Um, also check with your county. if uh, Based on the size of project, you might have to uh, get out some permits or whatever. So make sure you're checking on this. Again, if it's discovered later that you um, did something that required a permit, you may be fined for that. So just make sure you look into that. Okay. So next we've got um, utilities. I kind of touched upon utilities when you're planning for root growth, but you you at least need to know where you do, your utilities are. So check your yard um, for utility markers, but uh, mo- more importantly what you need to do is, is most uh, power companies now offer a free utility marking service because the utilities themselves, uh, the companies, uh, 
are they want to prevent having problems, costly mistakes and problems occur with their utilities. So they usually offer this free service where you can call your local provider and they'll have somebody come out within um, a short period of time and actually mark where your utilities are. So it's very important to do uh, just for a safety standpoint and also try and understand the depth that your utilities are marked as well. So um, if you can figure that out, that's really good. Um, it can go a long way to preventing issues down the road with your house. Okay, next we want to talk about uh, your property borders as well. Um, this is really important when you're planning for setbacks. Uh, so most properties you require a certain amount of setback from your property line. Uh, that's gonna You're going to figure that out when you talk to your local codes um, or your county. But if you don't know your border to begin with, uh, you're kind of lost. So make sure you get a surveyor out and mark your property lines so you know where they are. And once you do it, you've got it. So make sure they per- put a uh, permanent marker in place if you, if you can. And um, that'll help you uh, in the future when you have any further projects. You've already got this step completed. You might already have markers in place on your property. So it's good to check you know, where you think your border is, especially at the corners. There's usually, uh, if it's been surveyed before, there's usually some sort of marker that's already there. And it could be that it's um, submerged under the ground a few inches. Sometimes there's a, a magnetic type marker that can be easily found underground by a surveyor. So if that's the case, it might be you know, a, not as a costly thing if you, instead of having to get new markers put in for you. So see if you can find them yourself. If you can't, you might be um, able to get a relatively inexpensive survey done uh, if they're already there. So check out the survey and make sure your property lines are marked. I'm going to kind of try and speed up here because I'm realizing we are, we're already at 26-ish minutes uh, into this episode, and I've got a pretty big list in front of me. So I'm going to try and go f- fast here, um, cover some good things, but, you know, uh, this stuff's all really important, so uh, let's get through it. All right, so next we want to avoid digging or planting near the utilities we just marked, so um, it's important to kind of check with your local planning committee. So this could be your zoning commission or your county office um, to give you kind of recommendations on on what you can plant near your utilities and how close. Um, so some stuff you can put right over the top and it's not a big deal because the roots aren't going to disrupt your utilities, but you need to know the right depth um, of your utilities, the depth of root growth. Um, so your local planning offices can probably help give you guidance here. Um, so it's good to check. Um, if they can't give you guidance, it might be good to talk to a local designer. Uh, maybe you can do, do a, a short um, consultation call with them or something for a pretty low cost just to give you guidance on your design and uh, specifically ask about that as well. Um, so, but it's, again, it's a really important thing to check because it could really influence your whole design if you don't have it, uh, uh, done properly on top of your utilities. Um, next let's talk about waterways. So whether you know it or not, your site, your property might be located on some sort of waterway protection area or, uh, the border of your property might have, um, a, a protection zone on it. So I actually did a design, um, recently where the back property line was a a drainage and even though it looked just like a little drainage ditch it was on a waterway drainage easement that was protected under ohio waterways so that really influences your design you have to know how far you can plant how close and and also whether or not you can disrupt any sort of water flow so that's really important make sure you check this out Um, Because, again, it can influence your design, and if you don't do it properly, you can get uh, in trouble for it. You might have to get fined or um, might have to remove uh, part of your project. So check that out. Make sure you're good there. While we're on the topic of water, make sure you know your water availability. So when I'm talking about water availability, uh, the first thing that comes to mind Um, rightfully so, is rainfall. So make sure you know the quantity of rainfall uh, you're going to get on your site, as well as what time of year you're going to be getting that. So if you have a plant, you know, that actively grows in uh, the early months of the year, but 
most of your rainfall is in the later months of the year, that plant might not be well adapted to the site. So you really, really have to know um, what are your rainfall patterns, what are your rainfall quantities, because that can influence the plant selection process. Next, uh, what about the site conditions for your water availability? So where does the water pool up on your landscape? Where does it run off quickly? That can influence... Um, what plants, again, you put there. Um, it can also influence the access points. You know, you don't want to be walking through somewhere that's going to be uh, perpetually wet through certain times of the year um, because it's going to turn into a mud pit. And uh, likewise, um, parts that are always dry, you don't want to have, you plan to have this lush lawn over a really dry spot that's going to get a lot of traffic because it's going to turn into a dust bowl. So make sure you... Um, understand how the water flows through your landscape as well as how much soaks in so if you live in a really clay um, landscape uh, or soil uh, the water might take forever to soak in so you might end up with these kind of stagnant pool areas that you have to plan for appropriately um, either through drainage um, engineering type techniques or with the right planting Um, likewise you might live in a sandy location where the water just kind of sinks down right away and you need to know how far it's going to sink down how fast and if it's uh if it's just kind of sinking down a little bit and sitting underneath the soil or if it's kind of pretty much going all the way through so those are all really important things to consider uh, because it influences the types of plants and the types of structures you put in certain places so the next thing you need to know is the your soil itself uh, make sure you know the characteristics of your soil um, this is your ph the your soil type the organic level uh, or organic matter content in your soil, the depth of your soil, so how far down to the bedrock. Um, Those things all really influence your design again, so it's important stuff to know. If you don't know this stuff or don't know how to figure it out, your local county extension office, so your agriculture extension office can help. So each county should have some sort of extension office where you can uh, call and talk to them and they can give you some general advice without even having to do a soil test. Uh, that'll go a long way to helping you. But it's, it's also very, very helpful to have a soil test done on your site. And it's usually relatively inexpensive um, to, to you know send in a sample, have them come back with a report that really helps you. And ideally, you would want to have, if you'd have kind of different conditions across your site, ideally have multiple soil tests done to really understand it. Okay, so aside from the soil, um, let's get into some other stuff. So uh, grading. If you have any grading you're going to be doing, this might be kind of you know something you're using equipment to do, uh, heavy equipment. Or it might be a smaller thing where you're kind of just, you know, sculpting out your garden. You have to do that first. It kind of makes sense, but um, sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and get a little excited and go buy our plants, but we don't have the grading done. And that's really important to get done first because you might run into problems. It might delay your um, project, or you might even have to change up your planting scheme based on some stuff you kind of discover or uh, change your mind about during the planting uh, process. and grading process. So it's it's really important to get that done first. Okay, so once you have your grading done, um, you want to also plan to take longer than you think it's going to take. Uh, this kind of just goes into your general expectations. At least for me, I get excited about a project and I'm like, oh yeah, well let's let's bang this out in a weekend. And then it turns out this uh, this project we thought uh, was gonna you know go pretty quick. Uh, something comes up or just for whatever reason we underestimated something or there's a delay and it gets stretched out over maybe a couple weekends. So make sure you just kind of plan for that ahead. It's gonna make the process a lot more uh, pleasurable. It's a lot more fun to think that you're ahead of schedule than to think you're behind schedule. And uh, it really removes a lot of stress that comes along with things and uh, adds a little bit more enjoyment to the, the, uh, the design and the establishment process. When it comes to um, putting in your project, try and get some friends to help out. That really can make things move along. But if you do this, make sure you have planned projects that you can delegate and kind of designate to each friend so you can really have them help move things along, uh, make it less stressful for you when uh, they're asking what to do. It can already be decided. So make sure it's planned out beforehand and so they're not disappointed by just kind of standing around watching other people work or um, 
or you're not disappointed by being overstressed by thinking of who can do what job. And, um, you know, I can, I think this kind of goes without saying, but, uh, when you're thinking about friends, uh, make sure you plan with, uh, a good way to do it is, uh, food first and then, uh, then get to work, make sure there's plenty of water around, and and then you can have the food and the beer. So keep the beer till the end. Uh, it's, it's good for people to have, you know, feel well-fed but uh, uh, and well-hydrated, but well-hydrated with water. And uh, and then get the work done, bang it out, have a motivation with, uh, you know, a little bit of food, um, some thank yous, and, and uh, a little bit of beer at the end is uh, it's a pretty good, pretty good way to do it. So... Um, if it's a really big project, it might be worth hiring a designer. So, you know, some people get caught up that, you know, that process is more expensive. But think about the time you save and the value of the time you save by having somebody that really knows what they're doing, a professional that's well-trained in doing these types of projects, going out, having them come in and help you, whether it's just for advice or to do the design or to do the design and implementation piece, whatever process you want there, whatever you can afford, um, it might really be worth the time you save and the enjoyment you might gain out of having a professional do it that really knows what they're doing and do it the right way with the right process. So it's just worth considering. Um, If you do that, make sure though, you might not be, you know, their conventional customer. Because let's face it, most landscapes, people want a pretty landscape, something that looks nice, and and that's it. And uh, what we're talking about here is something that looks beautiful, but also doesn't take a ton of work. So this might be some new space for your designer, but it's really important to talk about this up front. So make sure they focus on What's the long-term maintenance plan for your landscape? How can we reduce that maintenance plan to, to fit your lifestyle? What types of plants could we consider that don't take tons of work that um, will grow in to fit the space you're talking about and not require long-term pruning? Um, and just general maintenance questions that you can talk to the designer to really get them thinking about saving your time in the long run so you don't have to be spending time or money to maintain your landscape. Discuss the intent for your garden as well as, uh, you know, the long-term intent. What do you want the space to be for you? What type of feel do you want? Kind of some of those design questions we were talking about. Even if you're not doing those your own design, it's important to convey what you want to the designer so they can try and come back and give you what you want in the best way possible. Okay, next let's talk talk about starting your project. Woohoo! All right, this is the time to start your project, to get out there, to get the work done, right? Well, again, there's a lot of things we need to consider here. Here's the top couple things that we really need to think about when we're starting a project. First, if you're planting trees as part of this new project, I really strongly recommend you to check out an article I've written on this over at aestheticecosystems.com slash tree planting. Again, that's aestheticecosystems.com slash tree planting, all one word there. So, uh, I have a link in the show notes as well. Uh, and, uh, it's worth the read because it goes through covering uh, what you need to do with your trees uh, so you prevent massive problems in the future and ensure that they get a good start, uh, which is really important for trees. For your space, uh, make sure you're properly preparing your space. So this means, so a lot of times this means uh, killing previous growth. And I'm not going to get into a lot of details here. This will be something for a future episode. Otherwise, we're going to be going like three hours here, Um, which I know you guys love hearing me talk, but uh, I don't know if I've got it in me to keep talking for three hours. So anyway, uh, so as far as removing the previous growth, there's two tactics. You can do it chemically or you can do it non-chemically. That's what I'm going to break it down into. Uh, There's benefits to both, but there's also drawbacks to both. So in the future... We'll talk about this more completely. Uh, my preference, to be honest, is the non-chemical uh, plant removal piece. Uh, it's generally more work, um, potentially more time-consuming, or more costly. But uh, 
it's generally safer as well. So when we're talking about healthy healthy landscapes, uh, the non-chemical process is my preferred one. But again, there's more work involved. So uh, the chemical piece, which is your typical uh, douse everything with Roundup, get it out of there, and uh, keep moving, which... Again, it's a lot easier, but I generally don't recommend it because it could lead to future problems as well, um, but it's also much less healthy. So that's the bit in the nutshell there. Uh, we'll get into that in the future for another time, but uh, that's your choice. As far as um, amendments go, once we've killed everything, we need to make sure our soil is properly prepared. So here you want to know about... Uh, what fertility you need for your plants, as well as how fertile is your soil already. So uh, if you've done the chemical removal piece, you probably need to do a lot to enhance the fertility of your space, especially the biological life. So um, there's a lot of different amendments you can go out there and get. Um, the general, the easy ones are topsoil and compost, kind of mixed 50-50. That's a huge broad generalization there. So I'm not saying this is right for everybody's yard and everybody's garden, the way they're planting it, but um, it's important to think how fertile is your soil uh, before you're establishing it. And this is even if you're establishing a lawn, um, putting a little bit of top, top dressing of compost or for people who have access to it, um, some compost tea or even just a little bit of topsoil can really influence how um, well your lawn establishes and also how many weed problems you have in the future. So uh, it's important to think about amendments. When it comes to adjusting the pH of your soil, a lot of times uh, uh, horticulturalists or gardeners or um, agricultural um, coaches will uh, recommend you adjust the pH of your soil. And I'm going to caution this here because when you have to adjust the pH of your soil, it's something you're going to have to do again and again and again. Because the, your soil's pH is influenced by what plants are growing around you as well and more importantly as the type of soil you have in the bedrock that underlies your soil. And so if your mineral soil is not adapted to the pH of the plants you want, it's better to consider a different plant and to not have to continually adjust your pH than it is to adjust your pH so you can have the plant you want even though the soil is not properly conditioned for it. So just something to really consider there uh, that it's going to be long-term work if you have to adjust your pH um, to, to fit a certain condition. Okay, when it comes to actually planting, plan on getting as much as you can done at once as quickly as possible without rushing the planting process. So in other words, get as many people to help you to do it properly um, and block out as much time as you can to do it all at once. Um, so that way everything's at the kind of the same phase. You can kind of nurse everything at the same time, get everything established at the same time, and not have to worry about kind of phasing things out um, to where you're at multiple stages at multiple times. This will just really help with the work overall and the establishment phase. The most time-consuming piece of any... Um, establishment to me is the maintenance phase after you plant uh, the early maintenance phase because you have to make sure your plants are well nursed well cared for you can spot any problems during that time and uh, that takes time unfortunately so uh, when you're planting make sure you're treating the roots gently to where they're um, not disturbed too much you're not cutting them you're not crisscrossing them too much and uh, when you're planting, make sure you plant at the proper depth, especially for trees and shrubs. If you cover the root crown, the, the root flare, the, the piece that kind of starts to bulge out on the trunk, if you cover that up, you can actually kill your tree. So you want to make sure you have it planted at the right height where it's not planted too deeply, too deeply, or you're going to have problems. Um, when you're considering planting from seed, make sure you're also getting the right depth on your seeds and having good soil contact because a lot of seeds don't even sprout unless they have good soil contact. Okay, after planting, I know I just skipped over the fun part, right? After planting, let's plan on being around for a while. So don't, you know, put in your garden and then go on vacation because most problems can be taken care of in the early phase right after establishment. So if you see something that's getting sick, you can figure out why, hopefully, and take care of it. You can also be around to water when it's needed, but not water when it's not needed. And that's very important. So make sure you're around uh, the place for a while. You're not going to be 
putting in your project, then heading off on vacation and come back from Aruba with um, dead plants everywhere. So uh, just check on that. Make sure you're watering properly. So this means both not too much and not too little water. So make sure um, what your plants need, they're getting, um, and you're not giving it too much. And just continue to check for signs of stress. So this is, you know, wilting, yellowing, um, discoloration in general, um, those sorts of things. Make sure you're checking for that and figuring out why it's happening. When you're looking at the long term, you're kind of going into maintenance mode, right? So you want to be getting your plants off of the the high maintenance schedule and kind of getting them into the general pattern of your landscape. And so so after you know the first few weeks to first few months depending upon what plants you're talking about, you want to get into that low maintenance mode hopefully where your plants are coasting along, they're taking care of themselves and they're feeling happy and healthy. That's of course if you're um if you're designing a low maintenance landscape, that's hopefully how it's going to go. So I really hope you consider the, you know, the long-term maintenance needs of your plants uh, before, and, and that way you can kind of sit back, relax, and enjoy your landscape. That's pretty much it, guys. Um, that covers, you know, 90% of the things you're going to have issues with. The last bit I want to share here before, you know, we talk about our, our awesome launch party here. Um, is if this sounds like just crazy overwhelming to you, I get it. There's a lot that goes into here. And fortunately for me, I I love this stuff. This is, this like gets me going, you know, like I, I get so excited about uh, coming up with design ideas and actually planting stuff and watching it grow. So if this isn't your thing you know you're just here to save time but you want to have a beautiful place and it beautiful beautiful right have if you want to have a beautiful place and save time then but at the same time you're not overwhelmed or <laughs> what am i trying to say here guys if you're just feeling totally overwhelmed by all this stuff i can help with that so check out aesthetic ecosystems.com slash consulting if you want to get one-on-one with me, at least, you know, while we're, we're recording this podcast, I'm still offering this as a option. So uh, take advantage of it while you can and get one-on-one with me. I'll help understand what you want with your landscape. And we can digitally talk about um, some ideas and how to get you started on this right foot so you can um, have your beautiful landscape. The other option too is if you want some direct in-person one-on-one stuff, find a local designer that focuses on low maintenance landscapes and really get involved with them to get you what you need and how you want it um, so you can get to um, enjoying your landscape without taking tons of time working on it. Okay, now it's time to talk about the launch party, guys. Uh, excuse me, not party, but parte. Uh, the launch parte is for the first two months of the show from March 11th through May 11th, 2018. I want to have some fun uh, to help spread a wor- spread the word about the show. Uh, I really appreciate your enthusiasm and interest in this show, and I want to get you guys involved and have some fun while we're doing it. So this is a chance to have some fun, to uh, for us to get connected, uh, to win some prizes, and And uh, let's talk about the prizes before we talk about what we're doing. So what are the prizes? Weekly, I'm offering a free consultation with me, Ben Hale, which is normally a $99 value. So uh, one person each week uh, that gets involved in the launch parte gets a free consultation. I'm also giving away a free offer for one of my eBooks, 10 Ways to Get More Beauty with Less Work, which is a $19 value. Uh, Next, the grand prize. There is only one of these we're giving away through this whole launch party. So at the end of the launch party, the Organic Lawn Care Manual by Paul Tukey. So Paul Tukey himself has offered to give away one free book to a lucky winner uh, that's getting involved in this launch party. Uh, And this book is all about how to manage a healthy lawn from anything from a golf course style lawn to your uh, low maintenance lawn, which of course is something I prefer here on this show, right? I own this book. I've read this book multiple times. I've given it away. It's a kind of a a tattered and worn version that I have. Um, And uh, I, I, I use some of these practices in my own lawn. So I I love this book and I highly um, promote it as well. And you'll hear me talk about it throughout the show. Um, But Paul Tukey has been kind enough to offer a copy of his book as a grand prize. And there's also a special surprise for everybody that's... uh, going to be getting involved in the launch party. The Rolling River Nursery out of California has 
offered a, a special surprise for everybody that's involved. The Rolling River Nursery is a, a USDA certified organic nursery. So I went online and I looked around for nurseries that have online availability, shipped through the continental U.S., and have some great offerings. And Rolling River Nursery has been kind enough to become involved with our launch party. And they're not only are they online availability, but they also are certified organic, which means they don't use any harmful herbicides or pesticides that you have to be concerned with your family about. And so what you're getting is a safe and healthy plant. They also offer a ton of edible plants and trees and shrubs, cacti and succulents. So um, they offer several trees and shrubs that are adaptable throughout the most of the United States. So definitely worth checking them out. And in addition, these guys are also involved with a, uh, a nonprofit in Southern California to help local food movements called plantingjustice.org. So if you want to learn more about them, uh, you can go to rollingrivernursery.com. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, Paul Tukey's website, uh, for his organic lawn care manual and his other works is paultukey.com, P-A-U-L-T-U-K-E-Y. And uh, to sum up, guys, okay, you want to learn how to get involved with this uh, launch party? Go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash pod launch and that's p-o-d-l-a-u-n-c-h there's a link in the show notes um, and that's that's going to give you all the instructions on how to get involved uh, there's two ways specifically to get involved one is through uh, sharing with your uh, peeps on facebook and the other is through leaving a review on itunes both of these are going to help spread the word about the show and get other people other friends listening to it as well and i uh, sure appreciate your help here and and likewise uh, this is going to be a fun time so uh so go on over and to aesthetic ecosystems.com slash pod launch to get involved again check out the show notes for any of the links we talked about and um, if you want to save time right now maintaining your landscape without making any massive changes design changes you just want to change some habits i have a awesome guide on how to save 27 hours on your landscape right now um, this season without uh, making any massive changes. So go on over and check it out. It's at aestheticecosystems.com slash 27 hours. That's 27 HRS. And you know what? If you type in the word hours, I think I got that link directing to it too. So so whatever you want to, uh, however you want to refer to hours, uh, aestheticecosystems.com slash 27 hours. Um, make sure you hit that subscribe button, guys. Uh, get cool updates on new episodes coming out. Uh, we'll be cranking these out about once a week. Um, so make sure you're subscribing to get those episodes. And hey, if you like the show, go over to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your favorite listening piece is um, and leave a review. It's really helpful. It helps me a ton. It gets us in front of other people that are, are like you. They want to save time, have a beautiful landscape. So go leave a review um, and uh, I'd really appreciate it. So with that, thanks for tuning in and make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.